Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Maple Leafs are 0-2 in preseason. It's your Yahoo Sports Daily Podcast for September 19th, 2019. But first, sports! Mercifully, we are crawling ever closer to the end of the quietest time in the sports calendar. Championship summer has been fun. It's been dope. No doubt about it. But colder weather is on the way, and with it, an excuse to stay inside and watch sports. And really, that's what it's all about. As mentioned yesterday, we are inside of two weeks away from the start of the NHL season, and now that pucks are actually on the ice, we don't have to spend our time reading between the lines of agents leaking info to the media and basically guessing about how much each RFA will make and putting up with the charade of offer sheets. Mitch Marner's money is handled. We talked about that on Tuesday with Ailish. So we can be more or less sure what the top of the Maple Leafs depth chart is going to look like in their forwards. We can fill it in in pen, basically. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Marner, Andreas Janssen, Kasperi Kapanen, William Nylander, are going to get the lion's share of the minutes up front in some order. But aside from Freddie Anderson in net and Morgan Riley in the big minutes in the back end, how the rest of the puzzle comes together is a lot more of a mystery. There are battles for jobs aplenty on the bottom half of the Maple Leafs depth chart, and the alignment of the defensive pairings alone is another headache all on its own. The Maple Leafs are capped out. They are at the upper limit. They're actually like $13 million beyond the upper limit currently, to be accurate. So the big pressure, to me, seems to be finding ways to get production and playable minutes from the guys in the roster who are making an awful lot less than those $11 million headliners. Alex Kerfoot is probably going to be tasked with third-line center minutes. That's probably pretty obvious. But who plays behind him is a total mystery. I assumed it would be Jason Spezza. From the things Mike Babcock is saying, it might not be. It might be Frederick Groce, who he seems to like an awful lot. Similarly, we know Babs loves Zach Hyman. He's hurt, but when he comes back, he'll probably slot into those top things and, and move Kapanen down. But that's the end of the wingers that we know where they'll be. Where to Nick Patan, Trevor Moore, someone like Ilya Mikhaev, maybe Pontus Aberg, hell, even Jeremy Bracco. Where do they fit in when it comes to filling out the openings for these roster spots? And that's the forward. That's the strength. That's the depth. On the back end, we know Jake Muzzin for sure. We know Tyson Berry is going to play. Cody Cece is going to get minutes. And they're going to be in there in some alignment. But that's a lot of question marks already before you realize that I only named four defensemen so far. And you need at least six. Two guys are total mysteries who are going to fill out those bottom slots until Travis Dermott gets healthy. So I don't really know how these openings across the roster will be filled. But luckily for me, our very own Yahoo Sports NHL team was in Newfoundland for the opening days of Maple Leafs training camp as early as yesterday morning. And Justin Cuthbert, who will be crushing Maple Leafs beat all season long with post-game points columns that are already starting, you can already read them, 
he was with the team for most of the last week, and he basically, and we thank him for this, went straight from the plane to the podcast studio. The Maple Leafs right now, as I said, they're 0-2, which is not a big deal. The preseason wins and losses are not important. But what is sort of odd is that through two preseason games, none of the guys fighting for any of those slots have really looked all that good. As Carlo Koliakovo put it, the guys looking for opportunities should be salivating, and so far, only the big guns have looked good. Well, I guess he considers Freddie Goche a big gun because <laughs> he definitely stood out, at least in my eyes, in the first game. But I think he's sort of bang on there. There are spots up for grabs. Right. Generally, you pretty much know who's going to be you know, the top 12 forwards, six or seven defensemen. But there's actual competition, but we haven't seen any competition yet. No competitive sort of, no moves made, nothing really from a, uh, a statement perspective. And there's a lot of guys who we were kind of bracing for that to happen. Like Matt Reed, watching him in just the scrimmages uh, during the three days in Newfoundland, he looked tremendous. I, I mean, and I think that comes back to the Spezza controversy. I don't know if we we're going to talk about that. Yeah, but, that was my next question. But I almost see that thinking about it more and more because it just made no sense to me. Um, because Spezza, I guess his main argument is he doesn't know if Spezza wants to do those things. Right. Every indication from Spezza so far, and he's been pretty candid with his remarks, is that he wants that. He wants to be the guy who's making 700K, who had that former former career where he was a 100-point guy or close to it uh, routinely for, for several seasons. He wants to be the guy who sort of swallows his pride and takes on that role. And yet Babcock, for some reason, doesn't want to acknowledge that. And I think, thinking about it more and more, is that it might be because he's trying to motivate others. He's trying to say that it's not going to be handed to Jason Spezza and that other guys could still potentially get that 4C position, namely Freddie Gauthier, and maybe it worked out perfectly. But it hasn't worked out for the other guys. We just haven't seen anyone who's on that bubble forced their way into the discussion. Is there anybody that you sort of, other than, you know, you mentioned Matt Reed, is there anybody that from either training camp or just from the way you heard the coaches speaking that you think sort of has an outside shot at making an impression, somebody that, that you think has a chance at really surprising people here? Well, I think Ilya Mikheyev played pretty well too. He would obviously not be a part of that big gun label, but he's sort of the one guy also who's been sort of handed this opportunity. Like, it seems like it's his to lose, even though he hasn't proved anything at the NHL level, even remotely. And then there's other guys like Kenny Agostino, a guy who once led the American Hockey League in scoring, has been buried with the sort of the depth Marlies that are still in camp. But the top three lines seem pretty set with moving Kasperi Kapanen up to the left side. It looks like Nick Patan's going to start um, with Alexander Kerfoot. And then I think it's just going to come down to okay, how are we going to motivate Jason Spezza and Freddie Goche here? And then Goche eventually just ends up on one of his wings, and then we sort of filter down from there. But Nick Shore, um, Matt Reed, those guys, those are the ones that are really competing here, and it, and it doesn't seem like they, uh, they made either of them made a statement. And then there's Jeremy Bracco too, but I, I just don't see where he fits because he hasn't been really given that opportunity, especially with Nick Batan moving up. So uh, I think Babcock isn't ready to uh, promote him and he'll have to do something seriously special over the next six games. Everyone is concerned about, you know, Morgan Riley is locked in for your big minutes. You can, Jake Muzzin is fine. Uh, everything else, question marks on Barry, a lot of question marks on CC, and that's only four dudes. There are mm -hmm. still two and more that is slots. And that is a defined four dudes. Yeah. Too. I mean, this was... The competition is not for the first four spots. He's said Mike Babcock in his first chance, 
said that those are going to be the, the top four. Those That's defined, and then competition is basically five through seven or eight. They seem pretty high on Travis Dermott. He seems to be somebody that, that has some, some runway there. But, man, Ben Harper, I mean, Justin Hole got was scratched 70 times last year. Jordan Schmaltz is not – like, how does that – Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> it's hard. It no, I mean Jordan Schmaltz was the one guy I was I was sort of encouraged by watching him in the first three days, but he was not good in the preseason opener. Uh, ben Harper was not good in last night's game as well, um, but he got some high praise, some high marks from Mike Babcock, probably just because he fought someone who was taking runs at star mm-hmm. players for the Leafs. And but he, I mean, he got blown. He got walked by Connor Brown in the game, and that was sort of the the only time you really, really noticed him. And when you get walked by Connor Brown, I mean, there's some there's some problems there, obviously. So it's more of a problem now than it's going to be in a month when Travis Dermott comes back, because he's going to be the guy that can sort of solidify that that bottom pair. But right now, it's it's a rotating cast of characters below replacement level guys that are that Mike Babcock either has sort of uh, unreasonable praise for or just never gives a chance i.e. Justin Hall. It makes sense to me that if you're going to give your big money to somebody you give it to young guys entering their prime but as we sit here and talk really some really uninspiring names like they need somebody to drastically outperform expectation and money at this point anywhere on the lineup whether it be bottom of the defense bottom of the forward roster or backup goalie right yeah I think you're right uh but I think when they do when they're back to full health it's not going to be as big of an issue I mean they're obviously going to have to pick one defenseman to play every night with Travis Dermott and I don't think that player is going to be certainly a luxury in any sense of the word for the Leafs they're they're going to be sort of pat it's going to be patchwork a little bit but then again, Jason Spezza at 700K is a luxury to me. There are benefits to being in their position in some ways, but but you're right. Uh, you want to pay your players a lot of money when they're going to be good. They they could f- have fought a little bit harder with all these contracts, probably, even though they're the ones that seem to have had to do most of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, but they're in that position where they have all a good bunch of supremely gifted young players um, and they're gonna have to find new ways to sprinkle in talent concerns over the defense are obviously there but I think they're gonna be able to find role players uh, over the next few years here and and Jason Spezza might sort of lead that charge uh, how was the Newfoundland experience how was how was the East Coast how were the people how was the training camp experience seeing the players interact being around the city with the players how was that what was that like it was awesome I mean they, the Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs certainly took over St. John's, and it's such a cool city. I mean, it would be it would be a underrated bachelor party town mm. in, in my eyes, and that's both of, both you and I can sort of relate <laughs> to that right now. Yeah, engagement corner. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> no, but like the bars don't close. Everybody has a good time. Everybody uh, engages, and and it uh, made for a perfect spot because it was also a cultural experience for the guys with the Leafs namely Austin Matthews. I mean, it's a world away from him, and he was embraced like a hero there, and, and you could tell he really appreciated it. And we saw a little bit of a different side from him, and, and I think Newfoundland brought that out. And a few more things before we send you on your way this morning. As mentioned many times now, I feel the NHL season is not far away, and we are still not sure if Dustin Bufflin is going to be a part of the Winnipeg Jets this season. Big Buff is reportedly pondering his NHL future right now and has been granted a leave of absence from the team while he mulls it over. This one 
bums me out. I'm not going to lie because Big Buff is one of my favorite players in the league when he is like full wrecking ball mode. When he first burst into the scene as like a hybrid forward slash defenseman, he and Brent Burns were like the most intriguing conversations to have in the league about where they belonged. And it would be sad to me if we came into this next season and Dustin Bufflin wasn't a part of it. That dude is a lot of fun to watch on both ends of the ice, shooting, hitting, and just being a nuisance. Uh, and I'll be sad if he chooses to walk away, but I also respect his choice. Also with the Winnipeg Jets, Patrick Laine, who I mentioned yesterday, is skating in Switzerland as he waits for a new contract, is reportedly not close to signing that contract. And apparently, neither is fellow RFA and fellow Finn Miko Rantanen. This, of course, is posturing and it's politicking. But come on. <laughs> I'm tired of this. Nobody wants to hear about or read about or listen to guys not signing contracts. I am all for guys getting paid. I am pro-labor for the death. But I just want to watch hockey and not talk about contracts for a little while. Is that too much to ask? Please sign these guys. Pay them what they're worth. Get them on the ice so we can watch them score goals and skate and play exciting hockey. Because this stuff is boring. And finally, speaking of skating, speaking of being on the ice, Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer, Canada's sweethearts, our favorite ice dancing pair, officially announced their retirement from competition. They announced it with a a video that they dropped in the wee hours of Wednesday morning. Honestly, I will take the bullet here. I thought they had already retired, but you know, I don't keep up tabs as well as I could, obviously. But regardless, we wish them both the very best in retirement, and it is what is next for them both. Tessa has been very generous with her time with us here at Yahoo Sports Canada before, doing some video work and answering some questions. So we wish them both the best. I'm sure they are not going to miss being constantly asked whether they're in a relationship or not, because they are not in a relationship, and now they can go about their lives without uh, constantly being tied together in the media. Anyway, that is it. There is nothing left for me to do but to wish you a wonderful Thursday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.